He's so good. I told her, I was like, we could do message or do the, the announcements together. And, but then I sat down. And then she was left to do them on her own. Uh, good job, Caitlin. Yeah. You know, there's no scripture in the Bible um, that teaches us how to do announcements. And we look for it. We try to do them good every week. Um, by, uh, by an applause meter how excited are we as the Bridge family that there's tons of cool stuff happening? The fact that there's a lot of stuff going on is a good thing. I want to um, just add two cents on a couple of them. Baptism is um, something that is important in the life of a, of a follower of Jesus because it's something that Jesus said, hey, I want you to do this in response to laying your life down to me. And we're coming into what's called Passion Week or Holy Week right now, the, the last week of Jesus's life uh, and ministry on earth before he was raised from the dead and then went to heaven and then sent the Holy Spirit, which we're talking about in our, in our early church rhythms, the First of Us series, which we'll get back to in a couple of weeks. But one of the things that Jesus says to his disciples, people who follow, is to be baptized. And he says, I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And we see these images and these pictures in, the, in Scripture. But baptism is something that people do as a personal response. It's a public declaration. It's like, trying to, it's like raising your hands when you worship. It doesn't get you closer to God. It's just your body is doing what your spirit is doing. It's a, it's a, uh, a visible... Um, manifestation of what's going on inside. That's what baptism is. I say it's like putting Jesus's jersey, if he's your favorite player, putting Jesus's jersey on your heart. And um, so if you have not been baptized, but you've been walking with the Lord for a while, or you're coming back to the Lord or coming to faith for the first time, it's something that he says, if you have placed your life in my hands, would you take this small step of obedience in responding by getting baptized in front of people uh, to show that you are mine and I am yours, he would say. So that baptism meeting, if you have any interest or wondering more about that, we'd just love for you to come to the meeting. I can talk to you and we can share about what baptism is, what it isn't, and uh, yeah, what it looks like to, to respond to Jesus that way. Does that sound good? And then the other one was uh, the new to the bridge lunch. Um, man, First of all, welcome to church. And uh, we've been seeing some new faces over the past few months, and we something we try to do quarterly. And, um, and it's just our way of, like, high-fiving and getting to talk, letting you know a little bit about what we're up to here at the church and how you can uh, find your place and, and all of that good stuff. So make sure you mark some of that stuff down, okay? And, uh, but thank you, Caitlin, every week for putting our bulletins out and doing such a good job with the announcements. All right. For the next two weeks, we're going to be taking a break from our First of Us series, which last week was fun. Am I right? Getting started and talking about a church that was full of it. It was full of the Spirit, by the way, not full of themselves. Um, but for the, for the next couple of Sundays, so today, is what is called Palm Sunday. It's the first day of what maybe you've heard of Holy Week or Passion Week, which is the last week of Jesus' life before he went to the cross. 
This was on a Sunday, Palm Sunday, which we'll, we'll look at. We're going to be in uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there and hold your finger there. So the events we're going to look at today were on a Sunday. So just imagine today. Now imagine this coming Friday is called Good Friday. Good Friday is the day that Jesus hung on the cross, died on the cross. And then next Sunday is Easter. So Resurrection Sunday. So the day that we celebrate that Jesus didn't just come and live and do some cool stuff and be a good teacher and heal some people. And we don't just celebrate that Jesus came and did all that stuff and then laid his life down as a martyr for what he believed. But we celebrate that Jesus is not dead, that death has no power over Jesus because Jesus is God. And because he lives, we have life in him. Amen? Amen. All right. So that's Easter. I'm not going to preach it right now. But during Passion Week, Jesus fulfilled three roles you could think of. And a lot of, the, of what we read in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, John, half of the book, starting in verse, chapter 12, all the way through the end, and there's 21 chapters, is about this last week of Jesus' life. It's like the most documented week in human history around a person. This is, there's so much written about this. And in this last week, and we're, we're actually going to go over kind of, this is what our Good Friday service looks like. So it might look a little different than Good Friday services you've been to. Because I think sometimes we lose the forest for the trees in, in Jesus' last week of life. So we go starting on, so this is Palm Sunday. So this Friday when we gather, 6.30 p.m., we're going to talk about from Tuesday till Friday. What was going on? What was Because Jesus was deliberate in this last week, so we talk it through. It's really cool. Um, so we'll see you on Friday for that. But you can sort of say he fulfilled three roles. He was the received king, which we'll look at today. He was the rejected king, which we'll look at on Friday. And then he was the resurrected king, which we'll look at on Easter. And Jesus didn't just randomly decide to show up in Jerusalem on this particular day. So let's look at Luke chapter 19. Starting in verse 28. Let me pray as we open up God's word. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, uh, I'm just thinking about that song. I think there was something along the lines of, I don't totally get the implications of it all, but all I can say is, holy, holy, holy are you. And as we open your word and we look at this account of you, for the first time in your life and in your ministry, allowing people to call you king, to worship you as the king, to have great expectations over what you could do as the king of the world, um, they didn't get the implications of it all either. But Lord, we open up your word today, and uh, that's our declaration, that you are right where you're supposed to be. You're on the throne, and you rule, and um, yeah, as Bill and Ted would say, you rule. <laughs> so Lord, would you bless this study, and bless your people in Jesus' name, amen. Sorry, that threw me for a loop. Even as I was praying, I was like, you rule. All right. 
Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 28, it says this. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he, has told, them, just as he told them. And as they were untying the colt, the owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? And they replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to, began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles that they had seen. Verse 38, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. They were quoting um, Psalm 118. Peace in, peace in heaven and glory on, in the highest. Verse 39, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher. That's all they said he was, was teacher. Rebuke your students. And Jesus said, I tell you. If they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Verse 41, as he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and he wept over it and said, if you, even you had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will bind, will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. This account is not a random account. We have to remember that sometimes about Scripture because it started, and it says, after he said these things, Jesus did this, and he sent him to get the donkey and the whole bit. This was timed. As a matter of fact, if you're, this was timed down to the day from a kingdom way, way before this when uh, King Cyrus uh, talked about when uh, when he gave the order to rebuild the, the temple in Jerusalem, one of the prophets said, when King Cyrus says, rebuild the temple in Jerusalem, X amount of days from that, your king will come to you. Matter of fact, in Zechariah, it says how he was going to show up. Behold, Zechariah 9.9, um, 9, Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly, riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. It had, this, this prophecy had gone back 1,500 years, 
and ma- uh, 1,400 years and, and made the people remember when God delivered them from the tyranny of Egypt. It all t- also took place during the week of what is called Passover, which is the celebration of that, that um, victory, that escaping from Egypt. This was the most special week in the, in the Jewish calendar. As a matter of fact, it was so special that on this day when Jesus entered this city in this way, there were, in what was usually a city of a hundred and some odd thousand people, there was over a million people. So imagine Bellingham City, I think we're up to 90,000 now. We're so sophisticated. We're so metropolitan. If you've been here a while, you're like, stop growing. Yes. Amen. Lord, let it be. Um, we live in the coolest place ever, by the way. But imagine a million people in our city out of nowhere. Like they, it, was, it, was, it was busting at the seams. Jesus entered in this way on this day. People traveled for weeks and weeks because they had to walk, remember, and take donkeys and, and like have little buggies and stuff like that. And they would show up. And it was so special that it was pronounced a feast and people were required to come. Jesus and his disciples were going to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover, which he's going to fulfill in a new way when he dies on the cross for the sins of the world. But only God the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit knew all that was going to take place in these next seven days. I've titled this morning's message, Any Given Sunday. For while what happened will will never happen again on that Palm Sunday, I actually believe there are aspects of what happened on that day that are happening right here this morning, that happened last week, that will happen next week. There are implications of what is going on here that changes the way we live and changes the way we look to Jesus. So this is what I want to look at. Did you guys catch that word at the end where it says, you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. It was clear when we read this account, there were some people who recognized Jesus. They were laying down palm branches. Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. There were some who did not. Rebuke your students. And then Jesus says there at the end, if you guys had only known what today could be, but it is hidden because you did not recognize What did people recognize? That's what we're going to look at. Was there a difference between what they saw and what they were expecting to see? And what about Jesus? What was he expecting as he entered the city? Have you ever thought about that? Those are what we're going to look at. First of all, let's look at this. What the people recognized. I say that they recognized the person because Jesus was making a statement. He was sending a message. The people had been waiting and hoping for this day forever. And like I said in Zechariah, they knew how it was supposed to happen. They knew who Jesus was and they knew where he belonged. That's why people were laying their cloaks on the ground. It was like rolling out the red carpet. For Jesus to come in. It's called Palm Sunday because um, I see this is the type of stuff when I got, you know, gave my life to Jesus. People are like, hey, Palm Sunday. And I was like, is it like a special high five? Like a special because Palm, 
You know, no, no one's with me. So it's palm branches. People ripped palm branches off of trees and they were laying them down. And uh, it, was, it was their way of saying, um, in their culture, when a king, when a kingdom took over another kingdom, this is how kings would enter the city. They would wait till the battle was over. And then their troops would line the, the streets on the way into the city. And then when the city is taken over and everything was all good, then the king would come in last. And he would roll in. And the way a king entered a city was symbolic of what type of rule he was going to have. They recognized the person. I love that. They saw his power. Look at verse 36. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came, to the, came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives. And if you've been to Israel, I was talking to, um, to Ted this week, and he's like, I can see it because he's been. I haven't. I've looked at many pictures and maps, and I look, I look forward to going one day so then I can just be like, dude, he was right here. As he was going down this hill, the whole crowd of disciples began to joyfully praise God for all of the miracles they had seen. When God does something powerful in your life, you realize that God can do powerful things. So when Jesus was rolling into town on this donkey, he, the people were like, blessed is the king who has done these things, who can do more things. They knew that he belonged on that colt. He was the king. He belonged riding into the city. He belonged on the throne. It says it started with the disciples and it spread. I like to think of it this way. That day wasn't planned. It unfolded as it went. It started out as a regular morning. As they were obedient in the small things to what Jesus had them do, it began to unfold into something that had eternal implications. It began and unfolded and people were catching on. It says it started with the disciples and then people were watching and then a few more joined in and then a few more joined in and then a few more joined in and all of a sudden this huge thing was happening. The people were like, what the heck is going on? Even the people who were against Jesus recognized the power that he had. And two of the other Gospels, well, did you see in Luke, or right there where it says, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And Jesus said this, they recognized his power because he said, I tell you what, if they didn't do what they were doing, the rocks themselves would cry out. That's power. As a matter of fact, in John chapter 12, Verse 17, it says this. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. They saw his power. They knew who he was. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. It's catching on. So the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Even people that were outright against what Jesus was doing and who he was saw his power. That's what they saw clearly. But you know what's funny? He says that there was stuff that people did not recognize. And I want to look at that. What didn't they see? They saw the person, but they missed the point. 
They missed a point because they didn't recognize the plan. Verse 41, back in Luke 19, as he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city. Now remember, Jesus is entering for his last week. So as you see how he's entering the city will help as you read on your own and we look at next Friday and Sunday what Jesus was, his mindset as he was talking to people, as he was going into the temple. He went into the temple every day for the week and he was teaching people. But he looked at the city and his heart was broken. He's had all these praises and all this stuff and he wasn't like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I'm Jesus. So he was coming into a, a, a boxing ring and he had a song pumping and his hood on and somebody massaging his shoulders. He wasn't campaigning. He was making a point. He came in, he saw the city and the condition of his people and it broke his heart because there was some stuff that they missed. This is what he said. If you had only known on this day the things that would bring you peace. See, they didn't recognize that Jesus had a plan of his own. The reason they missed it is because what they saw and what they expected to see were different. They expected Jesus to overthrow the government. They expected Jesus to roll into town take his rightful place, because they were right about the person and the power. This is the one we've been promised that's going to make all things how they're supposed to be. It was unfolding. They're like, wait a minute. This is on a donkey. This is what Zechariah said. He's not saying, don't call me king. He's letting us call him king. Oh my gosh, this is finally happening. They expected him to roll in, do some stuff. But instead of overthrowing a government, the Bible says that he laid down his very life. Instead of instilling, instilling, installing, whatever, setting up his power, the Bible says he gave away all of it. Philippians 2. Let it all go. And then he died the death, even it says the death of the cross and all its implications and what that means. And then it says, because of that, God has highly exalted him, given the name above every name, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Whoo! That's not what they were expecting. They thought the peace they needed was to rule themselves. Could you get us out of this tyrannical governing system, God, and just let us rule ourselves like we used to? Then we'll have peace. And Jesus is saying, that's not the type of peace that you need. What you, the peace he's talking about comes when he rules your heart, not yourself. See, there's a danger, you guys, when we come to Jesus because of what we want him to do and not because of who he is. You ever experienced that? I have. When there's something you think he should do and because he's able to do it and then he doesn't, it messes you up because just like he's holding out on you or you feel like you're being punished and you start to think all these things about God that aren't true and aren't helpful. The danger for them and for us is that we begin to build up in our minds what God is supposed to do. 
And then this is what he says to them. When he doesn't do it, we can end up experiencing the destruction of rejecting him altogether. God didn't do this thing that I thought he was going to do. He could have, but he didn't. And then when he didn't, it caused me to doubt. And then I started to doubt. It's a slippery slope. It's a, it's a downward thing that, by the way, it's the devil's game plan to get you alone and then just start stomping on you away from everybody else. And then it says eventually you can miss and not even recognize the very person. That's what happened on Palm Sunday of all days. And in just five days, some of the people in this crowd that were yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna, like it, it means save us now. They're going to be yelling, crucify him, crucify him. They expect Jesus to come and conquer their enemies. But it wasn't until later that they realized that Jesus did come into Jerusalem. Not to conquer their enemies, but to conquer our last great enemy. The enemy that everybody faces. Jesus came to do a work, not just over that kingdom, but all kingdoms. And do a work over sin. Do a work over death. The, the greatest oppression that all people face. It wasn't until later that they realized that. But you know what's crazy is we look back on this stuff, we have the whole picture. It's really cool. It's really rad to see God's plan, how he laid it all out, but how people were processing in the moment. Well, what did Jesus expect? I, as you read this account, it talks about all these people and then Jesus coming in and he says something, but was there something that Jesus was expecting, looking for when he entered the city? And this is what I love about Jesus. And this is why our message today is called Any Given Sunday. Because Jesus was expecting some things. And Jesus did see some things. He expected, the first one is this, he expected to receive the worship that was due to him. He expected to receive the worship he deserved. And you know what? The people got that right. The Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The praising with arms held high. The victorious cry. They got that part right. As a matter of fact, we know they got that part right because if they would have got it wrong, the earth would have taken care of it for them. That's how much the, the world has been longing for Jesus to take his rightful place on the throne and how much the, the world, the very earth that God created, celebrates his reign and rule. They expe he expected that. You know what else Jesus expected? He expected the messiness of the situation. Do you ever feel like you're worshiping God? Your whole heart is in it. You say something like, God, I love you. I want you to do a work in my life. But you just realize that you're just, you don't have it all together. That's a, Jesus saw the messiness of the situation. The disciples did not totally understand what they were doing. So say they were doing the best they can with what they had. I love this, uh, talking about this in, in John chapter 12, 16. It says, at first his disciples did not understand all this. 
Only after Jesus was glorified, which is uh, language for um, crucified, did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. They didn't know, as they were sitting there worshiping them that day, they didn't know the future failures they would have. Jesus knew. And while they didn't yell, even his closest disciples didn't yell, crucify him, crucify him, and five days later, they rejected that they actually even knew him and had ever been with him or even down with him. Peter, the one that says, Lord, all people might, might walk away when the going gets tough, but not me. I'm ride or die. And Jesus says to him, oh, man, there's more going on in you than you even realize. He says, Satan has asked for you by name to sift you like weak. Like there are things happening that you don't even understand. You want to believe what you're saying, but you're going to blow it so bad. You're going to want to walk away from your faith. You're going to want to go back to the way things used to be when it was just you. But he's like, but I've prayed for you, Peter. So Peter would even turn away. They didn't know the failures they would have. Jesus did. They didn't know they had mixed motivations. Jesus did. They just knew Jesus. They just knew that they wanted him to do They knew what he was capable of. They wanted to see that in their time. The other thing Jesus recognized, so Jesus expected to receive the worship he deserved. He expected messiness. And Jesus recognized, he saw, somebody needs to hear this, he saw pure hearts. On this day, the people praised Jesus for what they saw and what they knew in the midst of what they didn't know. When I look at this crowd in this day, you know what I see? I see myself right in the middle. I actually see our church. Not to sound crazy, but I see all of your faces throughout the week when I'm thinking about this stuff and I'm... I'm, Looking at this, I'm like, dude, this is, this is the bridge. This is our people. Because we see certain things. We want God to do stuff. When we gather on a Sunday, there are eternal. Heaven, hell, light, dark. I used to be this way. Now I'm this way. I'm a different person than I once was. There are, there are those type of things happening in this place and in the world. But yet we're just where we're at in our process. And that's the thing. We're all in process. We're all in different places. I think the time will come for me to have some, to be able to talk about it, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. I got a phone call this morning from my best friend in the world. And he walked away from the Lord forever ago. Like, not just walked away, like, like walked away. When I talk about a process of eternal things happening, we're all in the balance somewhere. Talked to him this morning, and after all these years, he told me, he is at church today. You guys don't even know what that means. 
my best friend. And he says, when I was at church today, and he goes, JJ, I know we've been talking about this stuff for years. And he was like, when this, when this dude was talking, he lives in Denver, he's like, when this dude was talking, it's like the stuff that we have been talking about all of these years. He was like, it was like I was the only person in the crowd. What I'm saying is like that, that, that eternal stuff when a God is speaking to you, He's speaking to your process. And that's what Jesus sees here. He saw pure people's pure hearts. Yes, he saw the mixed motivations. Yes, he saw the whole picture when they only saw this much of the, the plan. They don't know all the stuff. But he looked and he was like, this is what people see of me. And that's good enough. And my buddy called me this morning. He's like, dude, I gave my life to Jesus today. I got to tell you, if I never preached another message in my whole life, I love you guys. I really do. I promise I'll be here as long as God gives me breath in my lungs. But that fish, my best friend, he'll be there. I'll put the mic away and never preach again. And I'm like, that's okay with me. That's how much it means. And when I see stuff like that happen, yeah, that's good. Any given Sunday, Palm Sunday is wrapped. Sometimes I get, I get like weird with myself that I don't make a big enough deal about Palm Sunday and Easter. You know why? Because this is my everyday, it's our everyday reality. You understand? Jesus isn't going to wake up next Sunday and then go back to sleep. Amen. Jesus is alive. Amen. He like is doing stuff in our world. And we all want to see the world change. Do we not? Is there evil happening in the world that we wish wasn't? You know what? You know where corporate change comes from? You know what will change the world? Your personal transformation. This day was unfolding. We show up at church on Sunday, let me tell you, there's mixed motivations in this room. We don't even know that there are, but there are. And as we come to Jesus and we think about all the stuff that he can do, he can fix everything. He will fix everything. But he may not do it in the timing that we think he should. He says, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons, right, early church? But you will receive power when you are filled with my presence. That's the invitation of Palm Sunday. The invitation is to recognize and celebrate who Jesus is when we don't recognize what he's going to do. I just want... Somebody in here needs to know God is at work in your life and it hurts more than you thought it would. It's a little more confusing than you wish it would be. It's taking longer than you thought it should. And it costs more than you thought it would. Yeah, that's identifying with Jesus because it cost him more than he ever thought it would. But he was willing to do it anyways. You're in process, and what God is asking you to do is don't figure out, don't trade what you don't know for what you do know. Here's what people knew. Jesus is alive and well. He is king. He has rule in the city. He may not do it the way we think he would, but he has rule in our hearts. So I'm in a good mood today. Because I get to share this with people, and it was shared with me, in the week when I'm just like, 
anyways, thinking about all of this. And for anyone who's part of this church and is praying with me, it says that when one person gives their, gives their life to Jesus, it says there's a party in heaven. So if you're a part of this church, you're a part of my buddy Fish's story, so good job. When Jesus says, hey, will you go get the donkey in town? That doesn't sound like super holy and like have eternal implications. You're just like, man, why do I always get to go do the stupid donkey stuff? <laughs> why does God say, hey, when you go to work tomorrow, will you, just, will you do this one simple step with the desire to have obedience in Jesus in your life and just watch what he does with it? Let me give a couple of just concluding thoughts. Jesus was not on a campaign when he entered the city. Sometimes I think we make Palm Sunday and like Jesus' stuff a little campaigning. Vote for Jesus. 2020, whenever the next election is. He wasn't looking for votes. He was making a statement. Whether people voted for him or against him, he's still king. It's undisputed. Heavyweight champion of the world. But he's always inviting. Whether people vote for him or vote against him doesn't change the way he feels for people. Like he likes his campaign followers and he dislikes those people over there. That is unfair for us, and it's untrue about what we would put on Jesus. That's not how he thinks about people. He just is king. It just, he is the creator. He is the one who's going to make everything right, and he is the one who invites us to just participate right where we're at in the messiness of your process, in your current life season, in your current financial status, in your current place of employment or lack thereof, all of those things that's what's awesome about walking and following Jesus. Jesus is doing stuff, and we get to join in. Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter the mistakes you've made. Doesn't matter if you once were a person that says, Jesus, tell your disciples to just leave me alone. Or if you once walked away, the invitation never goes away. But the, the realization is that we sometimes miss the very day, the things that could bring peace in our lives. And it brings destruction later on when we watch our world fall apart. You know, this really happened. What Jesus said exactly happened as he said it about 40 years later when Rome took over the city and ransacked it. The peace that we need, the peace that we are invited to have could never come from a It could never come from another human, another human institution. The peace that Jesus is talking about comes from him when he has rule in our hearts, comes from a person. So I'm just like, let's hang it up today by making a loud noise. I know that, all your, that your life is messy. I know there's stuff going on you wish you could change. And I know there's stuff going on that, do you just wish it wasn't that way? You know who knows it even more? Jesus, like, knows it. He sees it. 
He recognizes your pure heart in the midst of it. So as we end with this song and I close this in prayer, maybe you could, along with me, we could just kind of open up our lives because he sees it anyways. We could just be honest with him. And then we can sing this last song and you cannot be a super holy, uh, have it all together moral person and you can still raise your hands to Jesus because you mean it. He sort of allows us to just be right where we're at as long as we recognize him for who he is. You guys know what I'm talking about? All right, so let me pray. Let's sing this song. Father, we thank you for this morning. We hear these people say, Hosanna, Hosanna, and those are Bible words, but we know the heart that it's coming from. They're saying, Lord, save me now from this, from this life that I'm in, from the from the, uh, the evil in this world, we think about the stuff that has happened even just in our country in this last week, and we're like, Lord, what the heck is going on with us? But we know, Lord, that you ultimately somehow are in control. So we yell out with these people, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven, or peace on earth and glory in heaven for who you are. Lord, Palm Sunday was a rad day. It would have been cool to be there. But guess what? We're here, and that's good enough for us, Lord. So we thank you for this day. We pray that you could take some of this, this, this eternal thing that's going on and you would just kind of merge it into our lives into the right here and right now of where we're where we're at and what we're doing lord we pray for our city pray for our church community and lord we together we come and i just thank you for for my buddy for your love for people that they don't have to be in bellingham for you to see what's going on in their lives they don't have to be in the U.S. for you to see and care what's going on in their lives and be on the throne and, and be fully integrated into their world. You are just good, Lord. So we celebrate you. We sing this song in response because you are our king and we are your people and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen.